our world gets smaller every day. Information moves at the speed of light. In this smaller world of the future, your concerns for safety are more important than ever. The days of leaving our doors unlocked are gone. Our world has evolved, and so should your security needs. Don't settle for old-fashioned systems when your family and friends are the valuables you need to protect. Move into the future with Magadon. With new Magadon Security, we provide state-of-the-art computer and home protection. Just because you don't think your information is valuable doesn't mean cyber criminals agree. With our patented NetVault technology, identity theft is a thing of the past. You work hard for what you've earned. Magadon Security thinks you should sleep well knowing we're there to protect you. With Magadon Home Security, we will respond instantly to unauthorized intrusion. Civil unrest, street crime, domestic disturbances, identity theft, and cyber terrorism are realities of this world. Let Magadon Security stand for you. Whether you want to protect your family or your major corporate assets, let Magadon Security stand for you. Magadon, building a better you. Now, from Telus Enterprises and Black Dog Game Factory, the moon is full again. Isn't it time you transformed your game? Winner of 35 awards at this year's E4. Everything else is just meat. Like through the rapture. And experience 10 years in the making. Games aren't just for kids anymore. <laughs> this game will tear your soul apart. Coming soon for all systems, Lycanthrope the Rapture. Rated adults only. Pre-order now at Herrick's and get a Lycanthrope the Rapture minifigure and free clay fetish starting weapon DLC. Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective, presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again to another edition of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. I am your host, Nathan. And I would like Nate to say my name. And uh, that's Bob. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> I don't really understand why you wanted can, me to can say, you say my name? name again. Say my name. No, no, I'm not saying your name again. You're not? No. I don't All know right. why you're trying to goad me into saying your name. Oh, there's no reason. I just, uh, well, there's a reason, but I'm, I'll let that go. So today, in a very special episode. Did we tell everybody we're like. Did we tell everybody? Mm-hmm. I think people know that on Fridays we do podcasts. I think that's very arrogant of you. I bet you they don't. Um, Like everybody who? Why would they not? We released the podcast on Friday. Well, because we're infrequent with the time. Well, it's tough shit. Mm. We got we got more important shit to do right now, mm. like do this podcast. Because we have to remember here, the podcast is the reason for the season. I understand. They no, it's uh, it's okay. Everybody knows we do podcasts on Friday. Uh-huh. Yep. And if they don't, they'll soon understand we do podcasts on Friday, guys. All right. So this is why I'm the the manager for the for the thing. <laughs> I got you. I get it. To so, deal with your uh, artistic rebellious ass. I uh, I'm I'm definitely not being rebellious. I'm just being let's tell you and do a podcast about Los Angeles by night, a 
city source book for Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> um, so a very special uh, when I say that it's because we're running a game that takes place within the confines of the city. Los Angeles 2017 kind of. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, I think the big issue for a lot of people is taking material from like the 90s from pre Gehenna plot and going, okay, well, now that, now that that is no longer necessarily canon, like how do we fit this plot into it? Now we'll get too detailed on that because that's a whole... P- well, what's canon? Right. Well, what's canon is what's in the books, right? But Let's, let's look at that, though. Like to define canon is no one ever said this absolutely happened and it can never be changed. Right. Muted or restarted. So that's the point, right? Right. And so when you grab a book and say, I'm going to start my game out of this book, we could start at the 90s. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. If we absolutely. wanted to. And, and take it from there. Or we could take what's in there and say, not much changed. Right. And now it's 2017. And very easily, you could just take the book as it's written in 1994, add what's changed to the modern era, and go, yeah, this is 2017. This book now is 2017. That's not difficult. Yeah, granted, you have to add in some things. You know, you want a little bit of historical... Uh, relevancy, but yes. uh, you can easily take any of these books and go, okay, let's just adapt it. Let's alter it slightly because here's the thing to remember. This is your game. You as a storyteller and your players, this is your game. And there is an expectation, I think, sometimes where players go, oh, that's not in any of the books. It doesn't matter. It's your game. You change it with your imagination. That's the number one rule of this game, right? So if you don't like it. Starting points, right? Right. That's all this. Right. And canon, here's the starting point for this character. However, feel free to adjust. Right. What what kind of story are you telling? What characters do you want to add into your game? Well, here's and a selection a, of them. We're on a very nerd word segue. That that's fair. But Let's, I feel like I feel like again, we have to kind of say some of these things before we really get deep into it. But what can we say about Los Angeles by night? Well, like all of the city books, it gives you, you know, your introduction. It tells you how to use the book, what you can find within. Um, It tells you about the mood and the theme. These are all standards, and it's no different here. Just like every city book, they have this first chapter that sort of gives you a very basic, very, uh, very simple understanding of, like, what is going on within this city. Uh, the travel, the reference books, um, and there's a ton of them. Fiction, um, some of the movies I really like to I like to always talk about because some of these are are definitely must see. To live and die in L.A. That's a really great perspective. Now, there's movies that I think people should watch that, that hadn't come out at the time of this book, but uh, Born in East L.A., uh, L.A. Story, Chinatown. Like, these are all classic Boys in the Hood. These are all classic movies that you definitely should watch. Uh, other movies, I think Training Day is a great example of a movie to watch. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, and, and so, basically, there you, you have it. You know, you look that over. That's the same as it is in any other city. And then we get into the history. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the history, Bob. You know, you know Nate, I'm going to allow the audience to hear you. No, talk about no, history. no, I don't. I don't think we're going to do that. I know. I know we've heard plenty of people have made this statement. Your voice is lovely, Nate. There is a day and a time where I give a fuck and it's not today. <laughs> and so since this is a give and take <laughs> podcast, 
I, I'm gonna give a little, and now I'm gonna take a little. <laughs> I, I told you I was gonna pick on you about it. I just wanna let it go. That's it. I would I th- prefer you didn't. I think every time Nate I gets don't told, need your shame. How sexy his voice is, don't. and everyone should tell Nate how no, sexy you his voice is. You should not. There should be a mystical dollar put into your bank account. No, just for it. It should just be there. Just leave me alone. Just, just be. <laughs> Nate, can you read us the manual? <laughs> no, I can't read. We can't read you the manual. But uh, what we can do is we can talk about the history of yes. Los Angeles. Yes. So the very first people, if I remember correctly, uh, arrived in the 1500s. And from the 1500s to the 1800s, it was essentially, as far as I understand, history is per normal. Right. And then in the 1800s, someone arrived from Boston. Right. So... What someone are you likening to? I'm talking about Christopher. Yeah, and I was trying. Good. So we are talking, talking about. It. We're not couching this. No, we no, know no. We're talking. Everyone from our game right. knows this. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay, right. We so we Christ- trust you people. Before Bob gets started, we trust you people that are playing in our game to keep the information that you hear in this book the spoilers. North and south. Right. Keep it out of your <laughs> north and south. <laughs> All right, so before a wider audience, you <laughs> right. know that's that's like thirty people. We right, we have right. six thousand apparently. Right, a very we large are, and thank you so, amount of people. So for the rest of it, <laughs> we'll we'll tell you, this a uh, very special embraced individual by the name of Christopher is a Methuselah Torador, who is a thirteen year old boy trapped, trapped in his body, uh, who doesn't have immense age like you would think, because he hasn't had he has centuries to him but not so much as to be considered a true and proper Methuselah. Mm-hmm. However, his sire was, and his sire had proclivities to make Christopher the artist of artists. Now, a series, a series of unfortunate circumstances led to his embrace, uh, mainly his sire's misunderstanding of what Christopher could do, and it painted the impression that Christopher's beauty also meant that he had a hidden artistic talent. And so they sought to cultivate this where he was. Right. Now, why I tell you this, because it's very important to L.A., Honestly, how L.A. was formed so and why he ends up here. So Christopher tries to paint, do all the fine arts, oil painting, sculpting, the whole nine. And he, he prepares an entire show of what he thinks is good. Why? 13, right? Yeah, of course. And then when he does the big reveal, his sire's like, his sire didn't follow up on it. He was like, I gave you a command. <laughs> and naturally, Christopher, you're so angelic of beauty. You will not fail me. And Christopher's like, Okay. And that was it. Right. And so he went and did it. But when he did the unveiling, it was basically a high schooler. A, right. A, it, an A-plus high schooler. Yeah. But it was it was trite. It was... Uh, Not imaginative. No. It was... Uh, what did the tortor call it? An abomination of the fine arts <laughs> is what they said. Right. It, it wasn't up to snuff. That how could a guy so lofty as Christopher Sire make such a shit chilled in talent? And Christopher lost his shit. They ridiculed him, and right. he threw a wheel would like to call a 13-year-old tantrum. tantrum. However, if his sire wasn't there, that would have been a 13-year-old murder house, is what it would have been, because Christopher still has a beast and vampiric power. Right. And so his sire had to be like, no, you won't kill all my audience. <laughs> Calm down and go to your room. And Christopher said, yeah, I'm going to go to my room, and I'm leaving. And he left, and who's to stop him? Right. right? And his sire l- let him go. Because really, there was this stink following him, right? Like, he was embarrassed and ridiculed. Right. And so Christopher's like, I'll show him. I'll show the whole clan. Nobody knows about this place I know about. Right. I've seen it. They have a desert. 
and I'm going to go there. I'm going to make the greatest place ever. And so he goes to... He goes to Los Angeles. Well, he gets he gets on a boat, and the boat sets sail for places unknown, and then it crashes. I like to think the boat sank, and then there was this girl who was like, Christopher, Christopher, no. no. Sitting on top of the wreckage, and he was like, let me go. Oh, and he sinks in the water, right? Right. The ending of Titanic. That's what I imagine Christopher as being Leonardo DiCaprio. But well, they they bring him ashore along with the other survivors, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, essentially, Christopher finds his his next Carthage. Right. He finds a place where everyone can live. There's nothing there. I want to make all. that clear. It's the fucking desert. It's where he landed. Right. And he was like, I plant my flag here. Here is good. And to his credit, he gets to work. And so from 1828, within less than 100 years, right? we have the film industry. We have, we have he, a he, city. He that, does something unprecedented, right? And, and uh, what I wanted to do is cut your thunder off right there and just say <laughs> that. And I realize now, I must let you talk. I you motherfucker! Go ahead. <laughs> but, but essentially, he takes a, a plot, a giant plot of dirt... And sand and hot, and he manages to build this into a proper city. Now, how does he do? How does he do that? Right? He's thirteen. What does he know? I'll tell you what he knows. He's a Methuselah. So when he gets there, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna need food. And how do we get food? Well, I'm gonna have to establish all these rumors. Right. That's how we get people here. And he promises shit, and he sends his people away to spread that word, and they bring bunches of people back." And that word is, oh, there's gold here. Right. There's all sorts of wealth here. You just got to come here and make it your own. Tons of people come here. You wait and see. I'm going to show them all. Everybody will come here. And he applies his magnificent charisma, his intense uh, source of personality, his uh, presence, if right. you will, and just ham hocks it. Right. Nobody knows why this princeling is walking around talking to big time people and just scraping together what is, what is now, right. well, but, what but is becoming he, I, LA. He, and he lives behind the scenes. As the city is built up around him, as it begins to flourish, and I mean, you you have to remember, in 1828 when he arrived there, there was what maybe a couple of hundred people that lived in this little right. It, essentially, it was all natives, California natives, that lived there, and and a few settlers who did hear of the gold rush and landed in the wrong spot. Right. By the 1920s, we're talking a couple hundred thousand people are living in a metropolitan city. And he does this by very carefully cultivating rumor, like you said, building, having the right people to know what needs to go where, like and genius. and and capitalizing on this film industry and bringing people to Los Angeles in droves with the promise of wealth, with the promise of their dreams being fulfilled. And remember what happens? He's he's shown film, right? And the greatest mistake ever for the world of darkness, because once he sees it, he says to himself, that's my art. That's why none of those mediums worked. Right. Because this is mine now. Right. And I'll show them. And to his credit, yeah. Yep. And and so you have this slow, steady build. Well, with the with people comes vampires. With vampires comes politics and status and christopher doesn't want to stand in front of these people as prince so he decides to create one he's <laughs> gonna he's going to take one of his favorite retainers and embrace him 
and make him the prince. Someone he can control from the background. Because here's the thing about Christopher. The thing about him is he is totally unsure of himself. He just never recovered from the mockery of... He's, he's still 13. Right. He's a 13-year-old child in, in, a, in an immortal body. And so he, he doesn't want to stand in front of these people because he's always concerned that they're going to be laughing at him or critical of his work. So he sits in the background and he creates a puppet prince. Or so he thinks. And when we're talking insecurity, we're not talking insecurity like he's worried of every sound or thing he makes. He still has an animal in him that lets him know he is the top predator and he knows right. it. But he is someone who is super sensitive about what he puts out there, his city included. So when that's when you roll that together but then add the centuries he's had to do what he's done and the accomplishments of what he's built, right. you have a homicidal lunatic. If, you're, if you don't know how to talk to him, if you ever get the luxury of meeting him, then that's that. Right. You know, I mean, right. it, it goes real quick to Murder Town. So uh, after Christopher, um, I'm looking for uh, for our our favorite prince, Don Sebastian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, yes. So Don Sebastian is embraced and put in the position of puppet prince. Don Sebastian, he doesn't think he's a puppet prince. Right, because Christopher has cultivated it, right. chilled. Right. He literally had Don Sebastian embraced early on and kind of showed him the ropes of everything right. in L.A., how to build it, how to do it, how to keep the mortals going, how to keep entertainment there. What he didn't do was teach Don Sebastian how to handle all the other vampires. Right. Or teach him humility. At all. Bad <laughs> fucking or, all. Or how to rule without being a jerk. <laughs> uh, and so... Um, Around this time, uh, another exile enters the scene, an individual by the name of Jeremy McNeil. And Jerry, Jeremy McNeil comes, and he talks to Christopher. And he's like, hey, Christopher, look, this Anarch thing, Camarillo sucks. Look where you came from. Look hey, where I came from. He's talking to Don Sebastian. Well, in the book here, it indicates about how he talks to Christopher first. And Christopher's like, yeah, I'm cool with this whole Anarch thing. But Don Sebastian ain't. Why? Because, again, Don Sebastian doesn't understand he's a puppet prince. He, he is a dog that's gotten off the leash. And Christopher, hey, he's a 13-year-old boy in a Methuselah's body, again. And he's like, I, I don't know what to tell you. So, needless to say, Jeremy McNeil and Don Sebastian, well, they don't get along so well. And I do believe... Well, we got to understand, we're missing a, a chunk of this. When we say Don Sebastian was a bad boy, we're not painting a picture. No. Like, what'd he do? What's a, what's a bad boy at that? Anybody listening is like, so he stakes someone? Right. When he got pissy? What'd he do? Like, uh, throw someone in traffic to, to put him in torpor one, one time? No. Uh, what he did was, he threw these parties, right? Right. And he would invite these Hollywood starlets to these parties, and all the upper echelons of the vampire hierarchy, and they would just feed on him. Yeah. And coke binges. And what happens is... When you're a Hollywood starlet, pick pick whatever you want, and you realize that Angelina Jolie, Bro, Broly, Brojolie, whatever their name is, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are being fed on, and you get to looking, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm a, I don't know, I'm Don Cheeto, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> and he takes off running down the road naked. Why? He didn't normally do coke, but shit, I tried telling him no, and suddenly everybody was, what do you do? Right. Now he's hopped up on coke, running down the fucking road with four other people who thought the same thing he did. Why? Herd mentality. The predators are feeding, the rest of the herd takes off. And Don Sebastian 
runs after them right naked down the street down hollywood boulevard and with paparazzi this shit ain't kept quiet right they got to spin this in some type of way he's straining his own fucking resources in the city right he he disregards his own traditions there's he, a whole permission council that's pissed off at him there's a senate show doesn't even try right like why bother and this this dude is is ruling so that's what caused McNeil to talk to Christopher. Right. And then, then when he talks to Don Sebastian, he gets what Nate will tell you. Well, he gets uh, essentially curb stomped. Yeah. I mean, they tell you the tale. Right. Right. He gets beat. And why I think it's important, because it really sets this piece of shit. They drag him outside and they throw him in a dumpster and leave the lid open. Right. Regardless if it's the day or not. Jeremy, luckily, wasn't torpid from the beating, but barely reached his hand up to close the lid. That's why he's alive. After that point. And that's when incenses all the Anarchs. Right. That's literally the fire that lit the powder keg. Right. So the Anarchs come together over the next few weeks and they start to make their preparations. They're like, fuck this. We're going to war. We're done with these elders. We're done with these assholes. And L.A.'s elders, they really didn't put much stock into it. They weren't prepared and they didn't listen. And then in 1944... The Second Anarch Revolt happens. Because you got to remember, the quoted unquote Convention of Thorns, yes, that put the Anarchs Revolt, the first one, to bed. Right. Stopped it for the Sabbat as well. Here's the thing you got to note, though. The Anarchs are still considered part of the Camarilla. Flat out. And they know it. Right. As long as they obey the masquerade, they can exist in any Camarilla city and do not have to get acknowledged. You just have to tell whoever comes to see them, I'm an Anarch, and that's that. Some princes want to march in front to talk. Other princes kill them. Right, and it's right. just it's just the way it is. It's just that there's not an open war about it because enough princes play ball. Right, absolutely. We got two, three anarchs. That's cool. Leave them be. And so in 1944, Jeremy McNeil and his coterie of anarch brothers and sisters, basically they war with the Camarilla and they hunt down and murder anyone that the prince, the those that supported the prince the cavalcade of Camarilla elders and uh essentially within a couple of days a new era is born a new dawn comes but some important facts for instance right how was don sebastian chosen as prince was there no one else to contend yes there was there was other vampires there was one in particularly popular one i believe it's shamir as it mentions and there that was going to be prince not don sebastian and right mysteriously that guy disappeared hmm. <laughs> wonder how that happened right right and the book pretty much points out like that too we know christopher did it right we know christopher did it or had it done by someone and he has someone who does things like that but the point is no hide nor hair has ever heard of that guy again right you can't find him and then that's how don sebastian got up there so they already had a stink eye to this dude right then he did this to mcneil and as they were and the irony is they were already getting thinking ways to overthrow this guy then the anarchs did him in but this went everywhere. Right. They didn't just, because by them thinking of get, doing away with the prince and preparing assets and holdings and do just that, they actually destabilized a lot what they had that could have brought the bear. A unified elder council versus right. anarchs usually wins out, even with a revolt. But this time, every the perfect storm, right? Everything fell yeah. in place. But it was also a wildfire. Because once that fell, they went to every other place that had its own prince them all the way out to San Diego. And even in San Diego, the only reason why they kept San Diego the way it was because the Anarch Baron was like, look, I rule here. Right. And I don't need to revolt here. I'm here. We're good. 
Right. And Move all on. these areas were emboldened by what McNeil and his crew had done. And uh, they start to create a, a new sort of order uh, out of this chaos. Uh, order is kind of a loose term. They become the Anarch Free States. The Camarilla sees it as a major loss because at this point now, Los Angeles is huge. It's, it's grown in less than 100 years or slightly over 100 years to a major metropolitan, I don't know if at this time it was the second largest city in the United States, but it was valuable. It's the city to have in the United States right. if, you want, if you want blood. Right. For the simple fact of there's so many people from out of town that visit L.A. proper. So many tours, Universal Studios, right. and so Disneyland. And so people that are native to actual California. You got it. And they just drive in and out, and the borders, oh, it's a heaven right. if you're of the Camarilla. You just have to own it. And it's, their, their, it's a bitter loss. Right. Like, they're shuffled away to West L.A., and that's the only thing they're able to keep after this big, bad war. And everywhere else is Anarch except for one spot, central or South Central Los Angeles. That's hard right, uh, for them to take, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, we have New York at least. Right. Oh, wait. Not anymore. Oh, wait. It's New York again. But L.A. <laughs> doesn't suffer that, that tumult. They don't no. go sunrise, sunset. No. Now, I, I do, I do want to spare some of the history. Because I feel like it's important for you as a storyteller, if you're going to be running a game out of here, it's important for you to read this, not just listen to our words. Um, so there's a great deal more to this history, but essentially that gets us to where we're at in the modern times, according to this book, Modern Times, i.e. Right. 1994. Now, in 1994, you have essentially the entirety of Los Angeles is broken down into these baronies. They're broken down into like little city-states that are controlled or ruled by barons, by gangs, and all the vampires, instead of fitting into coteries, they're essentially, they, they're called gangs uh, through the, in the Anarch movement. Right. So you have all these little vampire gangs that control these little parses of territory, these little spots throughout Los Angeles, and they sometimes live in a degree of harmony, Sometimes they war for territory. Some barons are willing to let you come in as long as you don't hunt. You can move through. Others are of the opinion that if you come in at all, we're going to kill you. We're going to smoke you. And what you have here is instead of one prince where you'd see like Jeremy McNeil would fit that role, you have a coterie of powerful anarchs that for all intents and purposes control a, a section, a downtown area, but... They're not princes. Unless it's life or death, they're not really getting involved. Because, guess what? You, you live without a prince. You don't need a ruler. And there are some idealistic anarchs that strongly believe that. Like, th these are, we exist without the control of elders and princes lording over us. Then you have barons that might as well be princes. And that's essentially what the anarch free states are at this point. In the next chapter here, it breaks down all these cool little interesting places. And again, it's a, you know, 1994 era, so it's a little dated in that sense, but you have all these unique locations, and they tell you this is a place that is corrupt. It's been corrupt for years and years and years. And they even give you a little hint as to why it's corrupt. Now, I'm not going to share that. I don't think you should share that either, Bob. Um, I'm not. Right. <laughs> That's for you, the storyteller. So there is deep corruption here. But it, it paints a picture 
And I would say it paints it as good or better than any other city book that's been released so far. So some fun facts. So we know about the Anarchs, Camera there, Sabata there. Well, the Independence. Right. There's absolutely Sedites there. Right. Oh, absolutely. The Sedites have had three temples they tried to start in that area. One in Malibu got ransacked by the Lupines because it got the mountains back there, that ridge. Apparently, right. Sedites and Lupines don't exist in the same... Right. They, they, they're they definitely can't. not a coexistence. They can't. One of us has got to go right. into Werewolves 1. Then they do it again. There's a bomb shelter in the Hollywood Hills that uh, Sedite finds. It says, hey, cool to have a bomb shelter. Cool to put snakes in it. Let's worship Set. Right. Along comes who? Lupines again. Why? I don't know. Seems that the Lupines really fucking hate snakes. <laughs> it's that simple. Right. And then there might a, be something about that corruption. I don't then know. Then there's a third one they mention, and who knows where that is. Right. But everybody knows there is the third one because there is an unusual amount of Sedites walking around. Problem is, is no one can ever, and the book even states that way. We know they're out there. We've right. seen signs. They're, they're a very they're powerful things. force. And, and we don't know. We don't know. Right. So then that transitions easily to that there are, there are Giovanni. Right. They mention them as a powerhouse because Vegas isn't far. Right. They, they actually, the way that they kind of describe it is that they almost have to be a force here because war is bad for business. And as long as the Anarchs keep looking inward, they're not going to look outward because Los Angeles to Vegas is a two-hour drive, I think. It's, it's, it's a, simple. Right. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. So how long before the Anarchs go, hey, you know what would be good? A casino city. So the Giovanni want to keep that, you know, keep them in play internally instead of externally. You're over here now. Just, right. just keep your spot. You're good. Right. And, and what does that mean for a clan like that? Well, while war is bad for business, internal war is great for business. So, you know, take that as you will. Whether they, uh, clearly they don't give a shit about the NR cause. Uh, the Ravnos, they're a presence too. Um, simply because the Ravnos have been able to, it's, there's no prince. There's no primogen. There's no one to tell them to stop what they're doing, save, you know, your occasional baron. It's a place to hang your hat. Right. It's that simple for Ravno. I, I can't think of a more boring place, honestly, for a player. Truly. <laughs> because part of playing a Ravno is to have a side. Right. Your own, and that matters. But when everybody has your shtick, hey, man, I'm a Ravno, and I'm independent. I don't get involved in anybody's shit. Hey, man, I'm a brewer. I'm an anarch, and... Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Sounds good. You feel you feel unique though, right, bro? No one's stepping your Ravno thing. Right, right. Well, I can make illusions. It's safety and security. I can I can pull your your head out of your ass. Is that where I mean this <laughs> argument goes, you know, any number of ways. But yeah, that's that's the idea. And then of course, uh yours truly, the clan Asimite. Right. Which this is awesome. <laughs> there is no way that this isn't amazing for Clan Asimite. They and, and honestly, on an individual level. I like to call L.A., if I'm an Asimite, vacation. Here's where I go, where I can just set up an office if I want to and call it, kill them. <laughs> or maybe or maybe blood for hire or, or strike team fuck off. I mean, anything you want to put there. <laughs> and you can sit out front during the night, have your little cabana hat on, flip-flops on, kick your feet up. And everyone knows, well, that's the guy I hire when I want to go kill a guy I really don't like. <laughs> right. I just got to have enough. And he says, I'm on vacation. Don't call the mountain. Come schedule an right, appointment. Right. You know, you could be totally L.A. about it. And it makes me giggle every time to think about it. Right. 
Well, and, uh, you know, they, they also talk about the outliers. They talk about, like, the other locations. You brought up San Diego. That's another one. And there are some other smaller baronies from Los Angeles to San Diego. And after that, you know, we start to break down all of these locations. So, it, Oh, I forgot about the great thing that you're all going to point out and say, hey, wasn't there da-da-da-da-da? Not in this book yet. It does mention another one later on, a later supplement. Yes, there are Cathayans. Their influence is felt here, and it's felt through what? Their gangs. Right. They do exist here, but not them. It's their gangs. It's the mortals they sent here to get a lay of the land and how held it is. Yeah. They'll point it's, that out. It's not you, a thing yet. Right. They'll point it out later when you get to the city proper or in San Diego by night. Right. And you'll get to read all about how they moved out into L.A. and everything else. But for now, right. focus on that they're... On this book. Right. Very much like the werewolves. Uh, are there werewolves here? Yep. What are, they, what are they like? It's in a different book. I, I can't tell you. Right. <laughs> They're not in this one. Right. There's, just, there's werewolves. Pro tip. If there are werewolves and you really want them to be a factor um, and you don't have the books, we happen to. So all y'all in Curse of Cain are screwed. We know what werewolves they are. But uh, those who don't know, um, feel free to make them up. Feel free to give a reason as to why they would be there if you want yep. to. The, the land was important. It's just the child who made it a city didn't care. Right. Is how that goes down. Are there mages here? Yep. For sure. What are they like? It's not in this book. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> there's a lot of right. use your own clay. Right, absolutely. Or instead of us trying to force feed that stuff down your throat like we may have done in other books, I'm not mentioning any names, we're going to let you investigate that on your own. You go buy the supplement if you want and include it if you want. If you don't, you're a storyteller. Figure it out. You got it. You got this. So they continue to iron out all of the, the all these baronies, and they tell you about the barons that control them. They tell you about all the intricacies of the internal politics. It's really cool, I think, from a lot of perspectives, because you as a storyteller, you could just go, hey, we're just going to run a game out of torrents. That's going to be our game. Word. And there's this whole vast area where you can go and explore you can do things, but you can literally just centralize. You could have your own vampire gang, and that's your game. Or you could have a far-reaching, because Los Angeles is huge. It's a massive place. And it's, you know, it's it's like three, four, five cities that you'd normally find all built into one. And each area has its own culture. It has its own vampiric uh, history. It has gangs it has like actual street gangs it has all that stuff so and really we're trying to get to the part that we really want to talk about gangs right like this this book is if you do not have a clue about what a gang is if you're like oh man it's gonna be great to run this book la buddy hollywood <laughs> boulevard <laughs> movies man it's gonna be great yeah for like two percent of the book right what what 80 percent of this book is gangs 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 right and they don't define them for you that's what i love about this book actually right it's you're gonna have to do some research to truly know why is it block to block there's gonna be a different name of a different gang that has a different reputation and to understand why for the anarchs because see remember always vampires mimic their food they mimic mortal trends that's what it is i will argue that the anarchs of old were just the coteries trying to rebel against elders and didn't really know what they were doing. They right. were like, four of us makes more than that one badass elder, and we will we will lay strike teams, and we'll, 
we'll try to do stuff and that's oh man it's it's terrible yeah and then we saw how well gangs did it so when you're in the 90s and you're seeing how the crips and the bloods and uh the 187s and whatever you want to call it they're all they're all guarding what 10 city blocks if you're a big gang right you have a big area if that yeah if that i mean you are banging if you have that turf but one thing that they do establish here is that it's not it's not just about I feel like for for some games and some storytellers, it's like, oh, it's a gangbanger. Like, to me, you know, when it's used as a generic bad guy, you know, like, ah, your vampire fights 10 gangbangers, you beat them up, you move on. Like, come on, they're not mobs in a video game. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and they establish there have been problems in Los Angeles, race riots in the 60s. The L.A. riots in 92, like these are these are things that are all contributing to the current conditions in Los Angeles in certain areas and the disparity between these neighborhoods. I'm going to tell you how to use that mentality. You should base it on the character knowledge right. of the player that encounters them. Uh, like I've had the privilege to run a scene where it was you went to Inglewood in a very famous spot uh, for drug and weapon activity that the police have never been able to catch. Uh, the Bloods at, and, and the Crips, vice versa. And they hang out this spot, and it's like Randy's Donuts, if I get the name. I always mess it up in my head, but it's something simple. It looks like an old-school donut shop. Right. And there's a residential neighborhood back there, but at night, everybody hangs out there, but its location is right off the highway. I mean, you look it up, you can see the photo. It's like, oh, wow, okay. I'm kind of getting an idea as to how this was like the big spot to do it. They put cameras thinking the neighborhood didn't know about them, and of course the neighborhood knows about them. Right. So they develop a system, you know, whatever that may be, of how to get through that to do it. But at any given time at night, you can go... You, first off, if it's night and you ain't from Inglewood, don't be in Inglewood. If it's day. Right, So it, depending, right? <laughs> so, and it kind of like don't stick out because these guys are ruthless. They're defending blocks. They treat it... You get up, do your 9 to 5, and go do your work and come home and th- take your neighborhood for granted. Right. No one's going to hurt me in my neighborhood. I pay rent. Oh, golly gee, I mow the lawn. Things are certainly swell today. Right. I hope the boss wasn't a jerk. With day in the life of Game Banger, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to stick my head out. I want to make sure that my boys have already been up, looking at the hood, walking through, making sure everything's okay, getting the head nods, doing what they do to make sure their block is safe and before they have to go do what they got to do to earn a living. And that's a different mentality. That's a very hungry mentality. It's a very aggressive way to be. Right. So when you think of Inglewood proper with its reputation earned, by the way, yeah, so there's a place named Randy's Donuts that has this rep for, for why, you know? And it's not the donut shop itself. It's the area around it. Right. And, hey, you get donuts there cheap. So, yeah, a bunch of gangbangers stand out and they do what's known stacking. And stacking is when you rep uh, the gang you're with with your hands, right? They're gang symbols that they flash. There's an art to it that they established it's very street, very ethnic. And that's why you'll see different gangs sometimes hanging out at a spot, but not shooting each other. They're just uh, shining. They're just showing what they got. And that's that. And then they go do their business. But a lot of times, shit jumps off. In layman's terms, I don't really like that gang over there. Right. And I'm going to make an issue. We're all going to make an issue. It's a huge issue. And cops come handle it by getting the bodies that are left in the aftermath. So this place tends to get watched. But why I bring all that up is... You have to know that. Yeah. If you're just some vampire out-of-towner and you're playing that player character going to come in with another vampire out-of-towner and you're going to go up there to get some donuts knowing that bullets don't really phase you, you know, whatever, but they don't really know who you are. 
and you're going to deliberately antagonize them into a fight and pull some pretty right graphic things. I, I feel like any time that there's a shot fired anywhere in a game, it should have an impact, not just to your player, but it should impact your world. Because even with the, the level of malevolence that we might find in a world of darkness, somebody's still getting killed. And somebody somewhere lost a lot of sons or husbands or you know, right. dads just got right. dropped. And when that happens, we're not saying boo-hoo, boo-hoo. What we're saying is play it to the hilt. People want that investigative. Folks are going to come looking. Things are going to happen. And just because it's generic gangbanger A, and yes, we're, I'm, I'm defending White Wolf on this. Yeah, they have gang templates. You can't, there are more gangs than there is like, like crayons in the box. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And especially in the That's LA very, area. Very much, very much true. So you kind of got to know, but at the same time, if you're, if you're good ST, you do your research and you find those gangs that really have a heavy rep and you want to make sure those are done well, even the smaller ones, because the players should have an idea. We're not in somewhere like New York, right. right? New York has its own gangs, but they also have a whole section of the city that really doesn't touch on them. Right. That you can get by and just sort of gliding through right. it. Manhattan's huge. You can spend all your time there and never encounter a single gang member. Right. It's unlikely to happen in a place like Los Angeles. Uh, simply put, my personal opinion on it is, if you're going to play a game, you're going to run a game out of this book. It does behoove you to paint a realistic picture with this because, like, poverty is not a joke. No. You know, living in an impoverished area where you have no hope, it's not a joke. And if you just wax over it, to me, I feel like you're doing a disservice to the environment you're putting your players into. You're doing a disservice to people that live this lifestyle that don't have a choice. You know, I don't have a problem with movies that talk about gangs. I don't have a problem with books that talk about them. Like, it's part of, you know, our our culture, our, our cinematic culture. But also, you should paint a realistic picture. These are human beings. These are people that live and die in the streets. And when you portray them, I feel like you should, one, do them the respect that they deserve, and two, do it with a realistic brush. Don't do it with, eh, you know, like we said, he's just gangbanger A, you just shoot him, he's just dead, move on. Right. That's not how life works. That's not how the real world works. And I think most importantly, you're painting a darker picture of the real world. And you should keep that in mind. I just want to mention something, too, like kind of what we're talking about, we're a little off the, the beaten path of the book, because the book... They kind of handle it in a more delicate manner, and they do it for an obvious reason. In in the book itself, they basically they create gangs, right? They they make up gangs, like that. The Crip Sons are obviously an analog for the Crips. Uh, El Hermandad is an analog for all the East LA gangs, right? Right. So so you can still have all of that stuff. You can you can do all. Like, we choose a realistic approach. We choose like okay, this is what's there. We want to present a realistic approach, but in the book, they do it a little bit delicate. They didn't in Chicago, for whatever reason, Chicago by night, the bloods were a thing. Here, not so much. They create these other gangs. We understand why they do it. So I would say, as a storyteller, make your choice. Use what they've provided you in the book, or go with a more realistic approach. I appreciate you bringing back to that. Why I'm highlighting it is is that um, this book, L.A., ain't squat. If, if you don't go into that, because right. every character, every vampire in that book has an attachment of brush in or history with with L.A.'s gangs. Right, right. It's right there. How do you not is what it comes down right. to. What we want to establish here and what they're trying to establish in this book is that this is a place of chaos. This is not some we all get along. We're the free states. It is a chaotic place. 
It's constant turmoil, crime, war among themselves. It's one of those things that here's what we have now. How long will we have it? And that's really what they want to break down. If you were looking for a Prince boardroom with permits you're going to meet for hours on end with a sheriff who does patrols, you better like patrolling 10 city blocks. <laughs> right. That better be it because right. that's all you got. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And then from there, we move on. We're done with the baronies. We've understood them. Then we get into the characters. Um, I don't want to go over all the characters, but I think it's important to note that uh, strong population of Bruja. No <laughs> duh. No duh. We have massive. And, and we see that uh, White Wolf will continue to include historic figures into their vampiric world. Uh, Crispus Attucks, um, uh, Joaquin Morietta. There's a who's who here of, of actual people that have been brought into the vampiric world. And I think they do it well. I, I honestly find it quite enjoyable. Um, and from there, we get into the politics. A lot of that we've already talked about. We're going to leave all the characters to you. Because for me, like, that's part of the joy, reading this book. Like, we know, uh, we, we know like, a half a dozen of them, and they're the half a dozen important ones. <laughs> <laughs> so. I know a lot of them. Um, right. I will tell you. I will tell you the one in the Sabbat is Muhammad. We already, well, folks know that. Right. Uh, Muhammad al-Muthlim, who is Muhammad of the Darkness. This guy is in that book, and I'll tell you the Sabbat perspective. He was put there to prepare for a war, and they tried it once, and the Anarchs beat their ass. Right. I do mean that. They were like, we're going to war. They had the black hand. They did what they normally did. And when they came at it, you, you can war with a city like Chicago, and as an organized group, a direct line to attack, you can handle that. You cannot war with 12 different Chicagos all within a block of each other. Right. So because everyone handles it different, there's a different strength and set. Uh, well, and, and also, we all have a different agenda, except right. for the fact that our, we're all in agreement on fuck you, the Sabbat. Also, fuck you, the Camarilla. That's pretty much, that's our agenda. So right. So when the, when the Sabbat came in first time and tried, they get, they get beat down. But then they still tell Muhammad, hey, you're here. You're bishop fix it get an army he does that but he can only hold down south central right that's that's the limit no one can take him as long as he's there no one no one can uh be taken by him because if he leaves others swoop in and that's the idea and so that's the eternal war that you have in la mcneil leads la's uh, anarchs and then for the camarilla uh, it depends honestly right. in this book there there are there's no major in the book here, there's no there's no major Camarilla strongholds. That's not going to change until later on down the road, of course. But again, that's that's all dependent. Kazintite. That's all dependent on how you tell your story. You know what's going to come down the road. So then from there, uh, of course, you have your little intro at the end, and you know that's that's the book. Uh, I mean. Bob's wearing glasses. It's throwing me off completely. <laughs> no, you feel free. You wear your glasses. I want you to see. No, I'm good. I, I got glasses that really fuck with my vision, so it's good. So uh, what are your thoughts on this book, Bob? I love L.A. by Night, and I used to hate it. Rereading it, reviewing it again. I think I looked at it from a perspective of it's a headache. Because um, a little known fact about Bob, I hate Anarchs. I hate all of you Anarch-loving assholes, too. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't stand them. Um, and I'll tell you why. I figured my opinion warrants that moment. Yeah. I'll, can I put on my soapbox a little bit? You, you, 
So please pause. We're putting out the soapbox. Please, Bob, step up. Thank Talk you. on the Thank soapbox. You. So we have this Anarch Revolt that forms the Sabbat. Done. No need for Anarchs. They're, they're the Sabbat. Right. Anarchs are the Sabbat. The Cam's the Cam. You have your north and your south, your yin and yang, your light and dark. What the fuck is the point of the Anarchs? Oh, we want to do what we want and live where we are and fucking live our own. You're called Autark. You're called Autark. You just don't want the politics. So cool. Live in a cam city. Shut the fuck up. It's that simple. Don't go to the princely meetings. Don't hang out with your primogen. Uh, go, to, go to clubs and do whatever the hell it is you do. That's fine. And have a handshake, coke, and a smile. I really don't get it. Bob has a very venture perspective. This very, this very, because it's what, what are you doing? Is right. what it is, and so it's like, oh man, I kind of just love to float in my own grow up. Okay, there's a reason why. <laughs> there's a reason why there are there are powers in the world. It's not like I'm ignoring this elder's hold of the city. He <laughs> totally doesn't stop me from what I want to do. Yeah, that elder farts, and it wrecks your world. Okay, <laughs> just just because you don't think it does doesn't mean it doesn't. And so it's like, are you really an anarch? And so and then, but that's your typical anarch. When you're the anarch revolutionary, I'm there for you. That I care about. You have a cause. My cause is to make sure this guy doesn't rule anymore because he's a tyrant. Right. Wait a minute. I have theme. I have reason. You have drive. Bob has your attention. Right. I mean, you have Bob's attention. I'm now. I'm now interested in you. Right. And we can we can get behind that. Everything else though beyond that, eh? Not so much. All right. That will conclude Bob's soapbox. <laughs> well, yeah, personally, um, I like the Anarchs. I always have. Uh, I like it j- from a gameplay perspective. Uh, I like it from a storyteller perspective, although I think running a game that is solely Anarch, uh, I think it's actually a little bit more difficult than running something where there's structure. Because with structure comes, you know, you, you do something and there are people that there there's a, there's a clear A, B, and C. When you're an individual mm-hmm. and you're able to say, I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. Because this is what I want to do. You're going to love Anarchs because you're the player. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you're the storyteller, you don't know how to tell the player. There is no Calvary. There is right. no group you're going to go to that's going to give a shit what happened right. to you. There's no. no inherent loyalty. Right, exactly. Now, I would say, can this be a, an enjoyable scenario? Absolutely, I think it can be. And like I said, I started right. not liking it. Right. I didn't want to do it. Right. And then it was like, ah, oh, we haven't done it. Ah, oh, give it a shot. Ah, oh, read it. Eh, fine. We're doing it. Eh, it's, it's all right. It's for me, time. For me, I would say that... Aside from Chicago by Night, and okay, so this is probably my third favorite city book. So, to me, it's a great indication. It's a great uh, book to to draw people into the Anarch scenario, but it's also a great book to use as the antagonist for maybe some Archons, maybe for a Black Hand Pack. There's a lot of stuff that you can do here. Like I said, it's it's like city states. You could run one game that just takes place in downtown Los Angeles. You could t- you could run ten games that take place in all the different borough, all the different free states. It's very so, true. Uh, I definitely enjoy the book. I think it's well written. Uh, I think it's it's definitely better than any of the other city books, in my opinion, that have come out up until now, aside from Chicago. I think Chicago so far is their best. I think this so far of their releases is the second best, uh, and that's my opinion on it. I think it's there. I think it's a really well written, well organized, and well laid out history of Los Angeles. So I give it a ten out of I don't do numbers, but you get my point. 
I think it's a good book. I don't do numbers. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Uh, so definitely um, you want to tune in later on. I believe we'll be posting a, a copy of it on Sunday, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, but we're supposed to be on Dead Game Society's podcast tonight. Right. And uh, I don't know when we'll get a copy of it to post on our website, but it will be up soon. Um, if not, then we'll have a Nerd Words up on Sunday. How about that? Ching. So next week, Bob, do you remember what's what's coming up next week? That you was know, a rhetorical I don't remember question. what I had to drink two hours ago, so... <laughs> Probably not. Well, thank you for. Uh, <laughs> thanks I for remember you were in. like ipso facto booko. They want to hear about o. Uh, it's Elysium. It's a book about building elders and how to include elders into your into your campaign. Elysium. Next week. I can't read Bob's face. It just looks surly. <laughs> I look surly. Do I? You do. And you can get a copy of Elysium and the NR Cookbook together. Because I kind of feel Elysium is going to be one of those. Speed bumps. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a tutorial. It, it probably, it probably is. I mean, no, no, uh, I remember it. There, there, there's a. It's going to be a terrible podcast. I wouldn't listen to it. No, no, no. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'd say it's going to be terrible. I mean, it's going to be terrible. You put words in my mouth. Uh, and then, in two weeks, we have dirty secrets of the black hand. Oh, you just love fucking. <laughs> it's a countdown. Two weeks. Dirty secrets of the black hand. Next week, Elysium. Tune in. Thank you for listening. My name is Nathan. You can say my name. No, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Bob. <laughs> oh, my hips hurt. <laughs>